Welcome to Outside by Design, the podcast about the business side of creativity in the outdoor industry. I talk to some of our industry's finest leaders, entrepreneurs, freelancers, and creatives about crafting a life and a career based upon being outside. Hello, all you outdoor industry professionals. Welcome back to Outside by Design, the podcast about the business side of creativity in the outdoor industry. I am Iris, and unfortunately, Lisa is out sick this week, so she will not be joining me on this podcast. But what we lack without having Lisa here and all her great jokes, we make up for in our incredible guest this week. We have Gretchen Powers here on the show today. She is an incredible photographer and filmmaker based out of Kodiak, Alaska. She has worked with brands such as Oru Kayak. She explores Sherpa, Skeeda, and she tells beautiful stories with her incredible films and photography work. Today, she is here to talk about many, many things revolving around creativity and her work in the outdoor industry. Gretchen gets into her tips on making people comfortable in front of the camera, how she got started in her freelance career. Later on in the episode, she talks about the word of the month purpose and what that means to her, especially when she's doing freelance work for brands. And she also gets into the struggle of running a business while you're dealing with mental illness, which is very fitting because today, October 10th, is World Mental Health Day. So there's some incredible topics covered in this podcast, and let's get into it. Gretchen, thank you so much for being on our podcast. (laughs) We're so excited that you're here coming to us live from Kodiak, Alaska. Good morning, Lisa. I'm so glad to be here. Um, The first question that we ask everyone is to describe where they are and what they're looking at. All right. I am in my office, uh, the master bedroom of my house, which I claimed as the office. Um, And I'm overlooking the runway on the Coast Guard base that we live on, on Kodiak, Alaska. And it's a surprisingly gorgeous day out right now, roughly maybe 54 degrees, brightly sunny, requiring sunglasses for sure. And it's my favorite time of day because kids aren't outside screaming yet. So there's a playground also close to where I am and no one's there. So it's great. It's It's a good quiet time. Awesome. And you are a lifestyle filmmaker and photographer. That is Um, correct. And yes, and we've never met before, which is freakish and weird. I know, truly. But one day we will. Um, But, you know, for me and for our audience, what's what's your story and how did you get to Alaska? Oh, gosh, goodness. Uh, My story is I was born in Vermont, raised in Colorado, studied film at the University of Vermont, where I met my now wife. And uh, as soon as I graduated, I started my own photography filmmaking business. My dream was to be a filmmaker for National Geographic or outside or um, any number of kind of outdoor recreational slash storytelling avenues. I realized really quickly that you can't make a lot of money in that necessarily when you're first starting out. So I decided to dip my 
toes or fingers into everything possible. So I shot a lot of weddings. I did a lot of portraits. I did a lot of commercial work um, and a lot of like promotional material kind of marketing stuff. And I actually was working for a gear review website about four or five years ago now. And that's when I first was introduced to the outdoor industry. And I didn't even realize that it was like a, you know, I had never really considered that the outdoor industry could be a place where I could also tell stories because telling stories was what I was most passionate about, focusing on people. And so that was about four years now that I've been primarily focused on working in the outdoor industry, doing a lot of storytelling related videography and photography. I write a lot as well. So I do a lot of pieces for companies' blogs, um, as well as creating social media content and catalog content, etc. And about two years ago, my wife joined the Coast Guard and she was stationed on a buoy tender up here in Kodiak. So that's a boat that goes out and takes care of all the navigational aids that you'll see off the coast. And I followed her up here and we've been here for, yeah, about two years now. That's awesome. Do you, do you like it up there? I do. I tell people that it's both like the most beautiful place and the hardest place I've ever lived. Uh, I experience the most dramatic highs and dramatic lows here. The first, I would say like eight months to a year were pretty challenging, you know, moving to a small island where there's like a really tight local community, but kind of, you know, building your, you know, building your group of friends, building your community takes time. And my wife works on a boat, so she's gone a fair amount. And so that was kind of challenging, too, to move to this island to basically live alone. Um, I do have a dog who is the best ever. So luckily for her, I have not been the loneliest. But, um, yeah, it's spectacular. You know, you have these dramatic mountains coming right out of the ocean and boats out fishing and uh, awesome hiking. I will never be able to compare to this place, having lived here, that we just have amazing hikes within like five to 20 minutes outside our door in all different directions. And there is only about, I think it's like an hour and 20 minutes. It takes you to drive the road system from one point to the other. So, you know, you, you can't really go that far by road, but we've had a chance to explore a lot of Alaska. And I definitely, I just got back from shooting a river guide up on the Kenai Peninsula and I shot a glacier guide last winter and summer. And that's been a great way for me to get to see more of the state while we've been up here yeah that sounds like a life full of adventure and change and you're you're rolling with it I'm trying to I'm leaning into it as my dad would say (laughs) (laughs) um so you know how with social media life is just weird and interconnected I've been following you for a while so I feel like I kind of already know know that part of your story um but one of the reasons I asked you to be on the podcast is because I love how you photograph people. Thank you. Um, you're so good at capturing people looking so natural and joyful. And I'm curious, I'd love to, love to talk to you about how, how you get those shots. Like, what do you bring behind the camera to get what you're getting in front of the camera? Yeah, I refuse to believe when people say like, oh, I'm really awkward in front of the camera. Like, I I don't know. I don't know who told them that. I don't know what led them to believe that. I'm really unphotogenic. I also hate to hear that. I think that so much of feeling comfortable in front of a camera is who is behind it. And so I always tell them, I'm like, well, maybe you just haven't met the right photographer yet. And I mean, my... (laughs) 
I'm constantly maybe making fun of myself a little bit or like tripping over things. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm a very messy person, which is why I took the master bedroom for my office. Um, because I need a lot of space to like spread out my mess. And that way it doesn't infiltrate into the rest of the house because my wife is a really tidy person. And I think that br- I, I bring that authenticity uh, for lack of a better word, to all the shoots that I do of being like, this is me, this is who I am, I'm going to be real with you so that you feel comfortable to be real with me. And I also, I, I don't like to intrude too much onto my subjects, whether I'm shooting something for, you know, a catalog or web launch, or if I'm shooting a wedding, or if I'm, you know, just out shooting with my friends, I don't ever really want the camera to detract from the situation. So I really try to be, you know, on my toes, paying attention to how people are interacting, paying attention to what's going on, giving people something to do or something to think about or something to talk about to really, you know, keep them from thinking too much about the fact that I'm taking pictures. How did you learn how to do that? Oh, gosh. I, hmm. I really think I learned it through experience. I think that I can really tell when someone's not looking like themselves on camera, even if I've just met them, it's pretty easy for me to see when someone's genuinely laughing or genuinely, you know, having a solitary, quiet, more quiet moment. And I think I just realized that, okay, if, if that person is putting up a front with me, if they're not letting their guard down, then like, I need to figure out a way to like break through that wall. And so i you know, I've built up a, diff- a number of things, thanks to a lot of photographer friends of mine, of just, you know, asking them to talk about something, whether it's among among themselves, if you have multiple people, but, or like giving them a real thing to do rather than be like, okay, just cheers over the campfire, because I'm looking for that really classic, cheesy shot that everybody does, you know, I actually say, okay, who's going to give a toast right now? Someone give a toast to why October 12th is the best day of the year. And, you know, what is your favorite Ben and Jerry's ice cream flavor or something? Um, because then, then those moments are truly real and often bring about like great laughter and make people look like they're really having a good time. And, you know, I, I shoot pretty quickly too. I, I never like to, you know, keep people in the same position or doing the same thing over and over again. And I, I like to keep it kind of moving and I'm like, if this isn't working, I don't want to keep pushing at it. You know, if, if a certain, situation isn't necessarily making a group of people comfortable, then I'm like, okay, let's try something different and move on. Is that the same approach you take to weddings as well? Yeah, I would say very similar. Yeah. If I have a couple that maybe is just, it's always nerves on, you know, it's nerves most of the time. People are just nervous in front of the camera, which I think is really ironic given our digital age and how often people are in front of the camera. But you, you pull out a, re, like a, you know, a DSLR and people suddenly are like, whoa, <laughs> I need to like change the way I'm behaving. Mm-hmm. And I think that I try really hard just to make people feel comfortable. And sometimes that means not shooting. Like I'll put my camera down a lot at weddings during shoots. And I just in, experience a moment with the people that I'm with. I'm cheersing with them or I'm laughing at, you know, whatever they're talking about. Or I'm eating the snack that I'm having them taste or, you know, whatever it might be. I think if they're like, oh, you're a person, you're here with us, you're experiencing this day with us in whatever capacity that might look like, that oftentimes helps people mellow out and relax. Well, I think you're brilliant at it. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. I mean, I think that when I started, I back like eight years ago now, I, I was so passionate about telling people's stories. And 
I don't know what drew me to that, but I knew that filmmaking and photography has a has a power to tell people's stories in a way that words can't necessarily. And I think that the fact that I truly care about these people reflects in my photographs and my films. And I think it's really easy to shoot something that's maybe more bland or just like, cause if you care, if you care more about the jacket or the backpack or the pair of shoes or whatever it is you're shooting, than your subject, then that's going to reflect in the images. And I think when you, you truly try to share a story, whether that's something really simple, you know, as like someone making a cup of tea and that that's their ritual every day, or if it's something a little more complex, like, you know, someone's background in, in guiding and the effect of climate change on glaciers, like if you care, that will reflect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how did you just get, get in there and start freelancing and make your dream happen? A lot of times um, people ask us questions about like, oh, I want to become a photographer, but I don't know how. What would you tell those people? <laughs> uh, I laugh because I was on, I was shooting a story for She Explores uh, on a kayak camping trip with my mom a couple years ago. And I was trying to explain to my mom what I did for a living and the different, the different levels of in, engagement with brands specifically. And I told her it's like dating. I was like, mom, I have brands that, you know, I flirt with, like they don't necessarily know who I am, but I really would love to work with them because I love their, I love their messaging. I love their ethics. I love the product they make or whatever it might be. So I shoot that product that I already own or that maybe I've gotten in a trade or, or that I've acquired in some capacity. And then I reach out to the brand and I say, Hey, you look good. Like, what do you think of my pictures? You know? And then there are the ones, you know, that you're dating more regularly and you move up this ladder to like, you know, if you're on contract or on retainer, clearly you're engaged or you might even be married or you might even have multiple relationships. You never know what, what any given month is going to look like, but you know, <laughs> don't be afraid to flirt would be my, advice like if if there's something you see that you want and it has to be authentic to you like don't don't go after you know photographing hunting or surfing or snowboarding if you don't do those things if those aren't things that you're passionate about i would say like look at your own life look at what you're passionate about and go after it and that's how you will be able to build a portfolio that you then could approach companies with and say hey look like this is what i'm capable of i would love the opportunity to work with you Did you guys know that Iris eats toaster strudels for breakfast? Sometimes I eat a bagel. It's true. Did you know you could be getting protein powder delivered straight to your door? That would probably be a much smarter choice. You know what protein powder does? It makes you really, really strong. And it adds muscle to your body. Do you want to know what's even better than adding muscle to your body? What? Adding muscle to your brand. You need a creative agency called Wheelie. What does Wheelie do? It's a creative agency for people who thrive outside. It's where brands go when they need a partner that can do some heavy lifting. We do work out a lot. And we also can do heavy lifting from a metaphorical perspective on digital strategy, branding, execution, design, photography, package design, websites, we're pretty nerdy, all kinds of good stuff. Any kind of intellectual protein you need. Boom! WheelieCreative.com. We're nerds, but we're yoked. Wow, what great advice from Gretchen to not be afraid to flirt in business and in your personal life. 
imagine what incredible things we could do in our lives if we remembered to not be afraid and shoot our shot every now and then. Now we'll hear from Gretchen about training for photography and what the word purpose means to her. Do you ever physically have to train to lug all your camera gear up in mountains and in wild places or how do you like how do you navigate the actual weight of camera gear and having to carry the same amount of gear as everyone else plus all the camera gear yeah great question um (laughs) I always like to say (laughs) that I am like a mediocre athlete at a lot of things (laughs) <laughs> I was never a good enough skier in high school. I was never a good rower in good enough rower in college. Like I've always been good, but not good enough necessarily. I've never been excellent. Like I'm a good climber, but I'm not a great climber. And so for me to really get into shooting on more kind of like expedition related or adventure related, you know, trips or whatnot requires like actually a substantial amount more training. And last summer, I knew I had done um, Kilimanjaro and then I climbed Rainier last summer, both on like video trips. And I was like climbing mountains with rocks in my backpack, you know, around Kodiak just to try to like get used to that extra weight. And even then, you like you get there that day and I suck at altitude. Like if anyone's listening and wants to like hire me to go do something at altitude, I'm sorry. Like I will literally be sucking wind the whole time. I will do my best. And I really did. And I'm proud of the work I did on both of those mountains, you know, given that I was like having to climb them and shoot on them at the same time. And, and typically, you know, I work by myself a lot. So it's like just me. So I'm like, if I'm not doing it, no one is So like, got to get it together, Gretch. So um, yeah, no, there's definitely I try to do like a lot more weight training. I do a lot of yoga and a lot of like core, core stuff, because like, I'll find that you know, your lower back carries a lot when you're carrying cameras and just the way like paying attention to my posture. I'm not really good at these things. Like I said, like I'm okay at most things, but um, I'm I'm striving to be more excellent at taking care of my body and making it last, you know, longer. And it definitely makes it a lot more fun. It makes it so you can do a better job if you have the right level of physical fitness. Absolutely. We shoot a lot of mountain biking. And so I find myself mountain biking with rocks in my pack as well. Um, because I want to get really good at net. No, yeah. I don't want to fall on my camera gear. So I have to be able to like, you know, ride technical terrain, um, with a lot of weight. So I practice with rocks. Yeah. Like a, like a psycho. That's awesome. But, (laughs) but it sounds like you, you have a similar tactic. Yeah. You know, we have, we have a joke. I, you know, you only get one ch- one chance really to make a first impression. And when I met my wife's uh, commanding officer, so the skipper of the boat, the captain of the boat, um, he asked, he heard I was going to go climb Kilimanjaro. And he's like, oh, so like, have you been training? And we had just moved here. It was December. We didn't have our car for a couple weeks. Our household goods hadn't made it yet. And I started to tell him, well, I've been walking around base you know, cause like I have to get anywhere to get to the boat or to get to the store on base or whatever. I've been walking around base. And then we got interrupted before I got a chance to say, and I've been hiking up mountains with rocks in my back, you know, and, and doing strength training and yoga and all these other things. So now, you know, they, they made a pipe over the sound system on the boat. They were underway out in the Bering Sea when I was up in, on, in Tanzania. And they, they needed to let everyone know that Gretchen had in fact summited Kilimanjaro because based on my training of just walking around base, nobody thought, 
that I was actually going to be able to do it. So now anytime I have a big trip coming up, he always asks, so I haven't seen you walking around base lately. So, you know, it does require more than just walking around base. I just want everyone to know, you know, you do have to put in a little more effort. (laughs) Oh man, that's hilarious. Um, So the word of the month on the podcast this month is purpose. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, uh, we haven't hit on it yet. What does, uh, what does the word purpose mean to you? What do you think of when you hear that word? I think as someone working in a marketing industry, trying to sell things, because as a photographer who shoots for outdoor brands, that's essentially what we're doing. I find that if I don't have purpose to the stories that I'm shooting, if there's not a greater, if someone's not learning something from what I'm doing, whether that's how to be safe in the backcountry or, you know, learning the history behind a certain activity or an area or learning about climate change or learning about the story behind this person, you know, that I might be be telling the story about that what are we doing besides selling jackets? You know, like, I don't want to sell jackets. That's not, that's, we, there's enough jackets in the world, you know? So if I'm going to work in this industry and feel okay with myself at the end of the day, it, I have to be doing something more. And so I find that I really more and more am trying to focus on like, what is the purpose of what I'm doing? What is someone learning? What am I teaching someone? What am I teaching myself? You know, like, what am I learning? And I also find that for me, purpose, my purpose is to authentically tell people's stories and, you know, share them in a way that educates and enlightens and makes the world feel a little bit smaller. Because I think that arts, especially photography and filmmaking, are ways that I've learned about far corners of the world by the great filmmakers and photographers that have come before me and exist around me and that I'm lucky to call my peers and, you know, idols, if you will. And I think that's really, really special and gives me drive and makes, you know, enriches my purpose to know that like someday I too could make a film that would educate someone or teach someone about something that otherwise, you know, living in middle America or wherever that, you might not necessarily have an opportunity to go visit that place and learn that for yourself. Do you prefer filmmaking or photography? Oh gosh. I light up inside when I'm filmmaking in a way that I don't think I ever really will with photography. Photography will always be my second love. Filmmaking, I think there's something so magical about the way that you can pull emotions out of people, the way that you can tell stories, the way that when you match these moving pictures together, I always say it's like building a puzzle that you feel like you can see what it's supposed to end up like, but they threw away the box and there's some pieces missing and you need to create those pieces and you need to figure out how it's all going to go together. And a lot of that process is really painful and hard and, you know, leaves you like wanting to bang your head against your computer sometimes. Uh, but the finished, the finished product, that final moment when you're like, yes, I did it. Like there is nothing that will compare to that. Uh, I do like photography and, and telling stories with photos in, I sent in essentially the ease of it for me to like build a story with pictures and words is, it's just, obviously you're not editing a video forever. You know, editing photographs for me, it doesn't take as long and is a, is a kind of quicker turn project, but Gosh, I love filmmaking. I really do. I, I I would say that's definitely my favorite. 
Do, so you enjoy writing as well? Do you, because I feel like really having a strong, strong story arc involves so much, so much craft and yeah. um, a lot of, a lot of elements of writing. Are you into words as well? Yeah, I was an English minor in college. Not that that really says a lot about your ability to write like stories. I wrote a lot of essays, <laughs> but uh, I do, I do love to write and I love, it's harder though for me. Writing is definitely harder for me and pushes me and also has a similar validation factor when I finish it. And I'm like, yes, scratch. Good job. Like you did it. You know, it's like when you're cheering on the little kid who's like doing something for the first time and you're like, yes, you did it. I, I surprise myself more with writing. You know, I know that I'm a good filmmaker. I know that I have a gift for telling stories using that medium. That's not surprising to me when I make a great film. I'm like, oh, good job, Gretch. You know, you're doing what you feel like is one of your gifts. But writing writing's a lot more challenging for me. Um, I think in that I can always see things visually, but to like describe them, I don't have a vast vocabulary. So to describe the things that I see is a lot harder, you know, using color descriptors and, and the way the air felt and the way the rock felt and the way, you know, the way these different things and, and these interactions you witnessed and, and what those emotions felt like, I think is really hard, but it's a challenge that I enjoy. And I think it affords me opportunities to try new things within photography. And, and it definitely, I think, is an area that I'm continuing to work on and continuing to push forward in and, and learn more about. And, um, yeah. You know how you don't have art on your walls at the office and you need some? Yes. I don't know how to hang things. Well, I have a business for you. They print beautiful prints of photos directly on glass. They print directly on glass. Yeah. It's like glass, but it's also a photo. You know what you need before you can do that? What? Great photography. Oh no, where am I gonna get that? A creative agency I know called Wheelie. Okay, what's Wheelie? WheelieCreative.com. It's where brands go when they need digital strategy, awesome production, normal human beings that can talk about nerdy things and not make you feel like a nerd, and also a team that really hits deadlines, and also a project manager from New Jersey. We call her Jersey Jess. Will she be able to deliver quality photos that I can print on glass? Yes, our in-house team takes killer photos and they climb around all over in the mountains, everywhere that you would ever need to go to get an amazing photo. Wow, that sounds like I should hire Wheelie. WheelieCreative.com, you bet your glass. Gretchen has a lot of expertise and wisdom to share with us on the show today, and I love how passionate she is about filmmaking. So let's hear more from Gretchen about her filmmaking process and how it feels when she comes across a story she just has to tell. I'm curious, what's your what's your filmmaking process like? Maybe use a specific film you worked on or something, but I'm so curious. Everyone has their own process and I'd love to know what yours is. My filmmaking process starts before I even know what story I'm trying to tell sometimes because I'll get a vision in my head and and I, I'm like, okay, this could be really cool. And a lot of my favorite films I've ever made have been made without attachment to a brand or even a nonprofit or anything like that, where I've just said, hey, like, 
I met this girl, Kath, and she worked as a glacier guide on a glacier that I happened to have a chance to visit because she saw a post of mine on Instagram and was like, oh my gosh, you're so close to me. And then I showed up and then she took my wife and I on like a private tour of this glacier. And I was like, this is the coolest. I'd never been on a glacier before. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Holy cow. And I knew that day, like I get, I get like glitter in my fingers or wow, that was good. Gretch glitter in my fingers. Um, (laughs) That's a new one. Uh, here's the thing. Okay. There's a descriptor when you get really excited about wanting to do something that you, you feel like you've got butterflies in your stomach. And like, I described it once as the tingly shakes in my hands, which like, again, I got made fun of. So glitter fingers is like even better, but there are no words really to describe this feeling as a creative. I feel like of being like, Oh my gosh, I have to go right now. Like I have to make this thing happen. Cause you see it and you know it. And you're like, this is going to be so awesome that I need to, I need to do it. And so I told her, I was like, I know we just met, but like, I really want to make a film about you. And she was like, okay. And and then I'm like, oh gosh, I'm doing that thing. My wife's looking at me and she's like, you're being really forward again, Gretchen. Like maybe, you know, I don't know, go home first, think it over, then send her like a nice polite email or something. Be like, it was so nice. Can I make a film about you? I'm like, no, I need to do it. I just felt this connection to the, the wild space and the, the climate. And, and so what came out of it though, because it was a passion project was that I ended up going back a couple more times and in different seasons. And I got to see the glacier in summer and in fall and in winter and, and really see how it is dying and how climate change is affecting it. And the story that ended up coming from it, because I end up interviewing my subjects, not necessarily knowing what the story is going to be, just wanting to know. I always want to know like, who are you? What do you do? Why do you do it? How is it passionate to you? What do you want other people to know about what you're doing? And like, w- what's the takeaway for me? And and what came out of that for her was not so much about climate change, but it was about kids. And it was how she's really passionate about the kids who come and see the glacier because they're the ones who really can make a change. They're not influenced necessarily by adults' opinions and media and marketing necessarily. They, they know, they see it, it's real. And and they want to do something about it. They want to go home to their schools and, and talk about recycling and, and using re- reusable water bottles and stuff like that. And, and so that's kind of how I love to make films. I know that's not always the most practical way when, when you are working on a story, but I really, for filmmaking, try to follow my gut. And if something's, if something's like shooting off sparkles into the sea, then I'm like, I need to, I need to chase that. And maybe it'll be something that comes to fruition in a a month or two years. But I always, I journal a lot. I I write down ideas and I try to keep track of them. And that way, maybe when there is an opportunity with a brand, then I can say, oh, here's something I'm really passionate about. Or that I know of a character who would be really cool for this story. You know, she does X, Y, and Z, and, and this is why. And I think that would be really unique. That's awesome. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you would like to tell our audience? I would say the one thing that I would want to share or whatnot is a lot of those, you get a lot of no's. And I think it's really important to remember that there's there's meaning and purpose in the process. So whether that's the process of writing the grant or that's the process of writing the pitch or that's the process of like handling a no or handling a yes and like recognizing that certain things, you know, I believe certain things happen for a reason. I don't know what that reason is necessarily, but I really just try to take a lot of the highs and lows in stride. That's something I've learned. Like 
I have pretty bad anxiety and depression. And I've recognized that it's really hard running your own business with a mental health kind of thing. And, and, and getting those no's can sometimes be heartbreaking, but I've done a lot of work on myself and I've, I've learned how to take that more in stride and recognize that like a no from one thing means you get to say yes to a lot of other stuff. And I think that's just really, really important to remember, especially when you're starting out that you're going to get a lot of no's. You're always going to get more no's, I think, than you will yeses. And you're going to get more stuff coming in your inbox that just doesn't feel right to you. And you're going to have to say no to. But that no is like the most valuable word, you know, in the English language as a maker and a, you know, producer and a photographer or whatnot, that when you say no, you get to say yes. And being able to say yes to the stuff that you really care about and the stuff that really matters and the stuff that gives you purpose or that you feel there's purpose in is is so valuable and so now I kind of smile sometimes when I get no's I'm like okay well I get to do all this other stuff instead you know I don't have to like drop this to go do that thing or or all right well you know that just wasn't meant to be for whatever reason and and to just refocus and and recognize that there is good stuff on the horizon you know as long as you got your purpose and your and your meaning for what you're doing and that you're in it for the right reasons and that you truly care about the people that you work with or work for that, that good stuff will happen. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. That was a beautiful answer. <laughs> You're welcome. That's really, yeah, that was really, really cool. And I, I mean, no, we have never had anyone on the podcast kind of talking about mental, how mental health affects entrepreneurship um, or creativity, but do you mind um, answering that question? Like how does that affect entrepreneurship and creativity for you? And have you been able to turn that into a superpower? It kind of sounds like you have. Yeah, you know, I, today, I feel like I kind of have. Um, It's taken a really, really long time. And moving here a couple years ago, you know, was like, like I mentioned, the first eight months was really hard. I didn't have my anxiety and control. I was very depressed. And my business that was reflected in my business. And that was reflected in the way that I interacted with people. And because when you don't feel your best, it's really hard to approach projects with the same fervor, the same enthusiasm, you know, that it's harder to get out. And I felt like a lot of the work I was creating was a little more dark in certain ways. And, and there's a time for everything, you know, and I think if you're in that period of dark, that there's so much beauty in pain, and there's so much as, as a entrepreneur and a creator that you can, you can live and thrive in that. But as someone who travels a lot for work as well, like my anxiety, anxiety always gets worse when I travel. And, you know, I got to a point where I just, I was having panic attacks all the time on trips, you know, and I'm supposed to be working and I'm just, I was a mess. And, you know, with a lot of support from my family and friends, I finally started, you know, getting treatment that I needed and seeing a couple different therapists and um, really maintaining a regular routine. Uh, has been the most important thing for me. So when I get up in the morning on a day where I'm working from home, making sure I'm scheduling in my blocks where I'm on my computer or I'm scheduling in my shoot shoots or I'm scheduling and making sure that, you know, I take care of myself and whether that's doing yoga or exercise or taking time away from screens and reading a book, you know, hanging out with my dog, like making sure that, that I'm prioritizing feeling good, getting enough sleep is huge. And for me, when I travel, I avoid caffeine and alcohol. And that's made the biggest difference for me. And, and it's little tweaks like that. And it's different for everyone. And I think you just have to f- figure out for yourself what works for you. But it can be something that small that I wish someone had told me like, hey, Gretch, 
what if you tried avoiding caffeine and alcohol, like, and sugar, you know, like those are things that my therapist, my most recent therapist said to me was like, and it made it. So, you know, the last couple of trips, I flew to Colorado for a shoot, Montana for a shoot, California for a shoot and no panic attacks, no anxiety attacks. And I was like, good Lord, this is amazing. Um, and has just kind of given me a new, new sense of direction, new drive. And, and I think that, you know, if you can maintain a good routine and get, make sure you've got some good people in your corner, um, and make sure that, that you're, you're looking for treatment if you need it. You know, I, I am championing using the word getting help less because I think I had so many people tell me, Gretch, you just need to get help. You need help. Clearly you need help. Telling someone that over and over again makes them feel small and broken. And as someone who runs their own business, you know, I want to feel like an empowered badass all the time. And having people tell me that you need help, you need help was just so hard because I was like, but I feel like I'm, I'm doing everything I can. I'm trying, I'm being independent. I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I can. And, and so I shifted, I was like, you know, if someone had said, Gretch, you really just, you've, you've got a mental health illness and you need treatment for that, just like you would for a broken leg or just like you would for high blood pressure or just like you would for any other thing. And, you know, shifting that verbiage, I think is something that's really been important for me. And, and I'm trying to kind of remind other people of that as well. And I would say the only other word, my only other little tidbit lesson I'm going to share because I'm really passionate about right now is that I'm using, I'm like solemnly swearing that I'm up, up to no good. And I'm also solemnly swearing not to use the word busy anymore because I think everyone's using it too much right now. And I think as someone who does run a business and, and I use like a paper planner to keep track of all the work I have to do, if I just look at every week and go, holy cow, I'm so busy. That just leads me to feeling overwhelmed. Overwhelmed leads to anxiety. Anxiety leads to, you know, my inside, my gas GI health going to shit. Like it's, it's a whole thing if I let that escalate. But if I look at it and say, wow, all right, I've got a lot of work to do this week. Well, so do most people who have a job, you know, like everyone's, I'm not going to say the B word, but everyone has a lot to do in their day to day, you know? And I think lamenting about busy, like I was at a wedding last week and you're asking people like, oh, how are you? Oh, I'm busy, but good, good. I'm good busy. I'm like, that tells me nothing. I know nothing about your life. Like, I don't know what you're up to. I don't know what you're doing for work right now, but you're telling me you're busy. Well, everyone's busy, you know? And, and that has also made a pretty big shift in my mind for you know, my keeping my anxiety lower is looking and being like, okay, I've got a very full day today. And I'm going to get everything done. I'm going to take it, you know, one step at a time. And that just keeps my anxiety level low and, and keeps it so that I can keep making good work and, and doing good work. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. I think it's, yeah, it's like, so creativity and photography and like, put it bringing yourself into your work is um, a remarkable thing about the creative industry. And, and I really appreciate you sharing your story and, and your personal growth and struggles and life hacks for traveling. Like, I really appreciate that. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. And I think our listeners are going to love following you as much as I have. Um, so can you just tell them where they can follow you online? You can find me on Instagram at gpowersfilm. 
And if you do want to check out my professional grandmotherism, you can find that at, at Powers Provisions. Cool. Well, um, I can't wait to meet you someday. And I know for a fact you would be... Me too, me too. So fun to have on a shoot. Well, come on up to Kodiak. You're welcome anytime. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's keep in touch and, and thanks for being here. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Gretchen. We loved having you here on Outside by Design, and we can't wait to see what you're up to next. You can find all of Gretchen's social media links and her website in the show notes, as well as a link to the episode webpage, which includes details and transcripts. Make sure that you subscribe to Outside by Design to make sure that you don't miss more incredible episodes like this one. And if you haven't already, we'd really appreciate it if you could go to our iTunes page and leave us a rating and review so we can get the show to more outdoor industry professionals like you. And with that, thank you for being here and we'll see you next week.